Hey, father. A mouse has four paws. But he doesn't wear a belt. It's done. Hi, I am Chris Pullman. And I am Gloria Ackerman. And this week we will be talking about Season 10, Episode 11, Follies of the Living, Concerns of the Dead, and Season 10, Episode 12, The Birthday Girls on uh, Whiskey and Mash. I didn't mention that at the top. Um, That's the show, in case you're wondering. Whiskey hi. and Mash, hi. It's a two-drink episode. So Woohoo! <laughs> Rough day with fun. the toddler. It's been a difficult day. Um, in Follies with the Living, Clinger starts out with a bad fever. Like, mm -hmm. the type of fever where you're having illusions. Yeah. Like what was he up to, 105? And, yeah, I mean, bad, bad. Yeah. And um, he is seeing things. In fact... They're trying. They're all having discussions on what we can do to uh -huh. make Klinger better, and um, one thinks it's this, one thinks it's that, and then in they they get called for triage. Wounded mm -hmm. are coming in. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It was funny because Klinger tried to help with triage, <laughs> but actually they said take him away. Sir, he's in the way. Colonel, I just uh, want yeah. you to know, as long as I have any strength in my body, I want to help. And then he points to the camp mutt. <laughs> Let's get this patient prepped and ready to go. So he fell onto a um, canvas, whether uh, like yeah, a, a, a um, gurney, whatever that's called. And they just set him off to the side. But they were also bringing stretcher. in Weston, yeah. who had passed away. Mm -hmm. But Weston's spirit lifted up out of his body, mm -hmm. and the only one that could see him because of the fever, was Klinger. Yep. So this story is kind of about Weston's journey to death. I think yeah. that's yeah. what I would call it. And then a few things that happened throughout. But what the basic yeah. story is, is Weston is on his journey, what he needed to do to, to get the, to death. Yeah, the afterlife. The afterlife. Mm -hmm. And he ends up following. At the end, we'll talk about that. Mm -hmm. But... Many things happen, but Weston kind of turns into each little thing that happened. Mm-hmm. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, interesting. Klinger comes out in his PJs, and he's mm -hmm. all ready to help, but he was not right in the head. No, which, you know, I my takeaway from that scene is this reinforces how committed Klinger is to, to the welfare of others. <gasps> Pardon me. I mean, we've seen it in the previous nine seasons. You know, even when he was vehemently anti-army, anti-war, you know, being belligerent, being insubordinate, wearing dresses, all that, when push came to shove, Klinger was there. He showed up. He was ready to go. Yeah. He would give blood. He would do whatever work was necessary for the betterment of somebody else to keep somebody else alive. So he's always been this way. Yeah, and it's just, to me, reinforcing that fact about Klinger's character, which... Is it I, great? It's great. I, I mean... And I would like to think that I'm somewhat the same way. I don't know, because I'm not in that sort of situation. Uh-huh. But I would, I would like to think that I'm that way. Um, but, you know, I think 
your commitment to something is over and above and you'll yeah. give what you need to give it if it's something that you truly believe in. Yeah, and I think that everybody at MASH is that way too. Mm-hmm. You know, because we've seen that with other people. I mean, <laughs> the time that Margaret was just drunk off her butt, just falling over basically, when she was going to try and get transferred. Oh. Um, you know, it, it was with Colonel Blake still. I'm ready to go, sir. Where are the casualties? Margaret, they haven't even arrived yet. Oh, unless go get them, sir. Get some coffee into her. <laughs> God, she's drunk as a skunk. <laughs> so, but you know, the 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 main characters, at least, I think, are just that committed to 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 the patients, and that comes through here. For sure. I mean, there, and then you saw the little stuff, like mm -hmm. Hawkeye and Winchester complaining about which hook to put their clothes on. Yeah, and like, that, it's such a minor mm -hmm. thing, but to them it was so important. Like this is my hook. Well, okay, so yeah, a couple of things about that which I really like. First of all, of course, that's in the title, right? You know, right. Follies of the Living. But um, I think that's a very important thing to point out because we do see some uh, a little spat between BJ and Margaret as well in pre-op right, in the scrub exactly. room but then at the same time in, in the next scene they're in OR and you have Winchester and Hawkeye working on the same patient and it was a very interesting yeah and it, it, it really struck me because um, Hawkeye's working on the kid's chest and uh, Charles is working on the guy's abdomen, right? And um, uh, uh, Charles says, well, here's the perforation. It would have been easily missed. Okay, that's uncharacteristic of Charles, at least outside of surgery, to say, oh, you could have missed that. I would have missed that. It's fine. And then for Hawkeye to say, you know what? I did miss that. I was too worried about the chest. I, I completely missed that good catch, Charles. And then actually what Margaret and BJ were fighting about is he likes things his way too because she was yelling at her mm. nurses, you need to fold it this way so you can just pick it up with two fingers and shake it mm. out and it's ready and yeah. folded correctly. You need to fold things correctly. Yeah. And he's like, Margaret, you don't always do everything. And then she said, no, you always need this special stuff too. Yeah. And in OR you see her handing him the special tools that yeah. he likes to use. Yeah. Like, without thought. Oh, I didn't she think knows, of it that way. Yeah. She knew that that was his special tool yeah. and made sure that that's the one he had gotten. Mm, rake retractor. Yeah, yeah, you know, it... When, again, when push comes to shove... That work comes first. Our petty differences are there, but they're just that. Petty differences, when, mm -hmm. it, when it's in OR, you put those aside and mm -hmm. you work with what works best for your patient. Yeah. Which I thought was really a cool thing, too. I noticed that yeah. same thing. Mm-hmm. It, it's crazy. Um, and do we do that in our jobs? I hope so. Yeah. I hope when push comes to shove, we do our best for each other. You know, you know, we all have our petty differences, but that's in every job. I don't care who we are. Definitely on my new team, I feel that way. You know, and um, when I worked with... When I was working with summer camps... Um, at the university I attended trying not to give too much away about where I come from <laughs> I don't want you stalking me as much as I want you all out there to start listening <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to give too much away about my background but um, you know just um, 
I, I would put in whatever effort was required to make the experience the best for the students that attended the camp. Okay. Because it was about them. It was about it was, making... And that's what we have to always remember. It's about yeah. who we're working with and for. Mm -hmm. And, you know, on my, on my current team where I work, definitely it's that way. Everybody pitches in to get things done as needed. Yeah. And it's a, it's a breath of fresh air. But, yeah, very interesting episode to see that. But then also the, the what I would call the A story in my mind, Weston. Right. And it, it's weird to see him dead. And walking around and wondering. And he didn't think he was dead. He had to question it. Mm -hmm. Like, it wasn't until he saw his belongings being gone through mm -hmm. that he was like, oh, I guess maybe I am dead. But then he sees his buddy in OR... And that's yeah. the one that they were both working on, and they, you know, they had to have a whole team working on him. Um, Jimmy Weston, and it was Hicks, um, Franklin Hicks. Yeah, and I, I've got, his... I've got to say, um, something I picked up on, I think I picked up on, was watching uh, Weston pass through the the stages of. Um, like grief. Yeah, you said that. Yeah. It. You know, it's like first was denial. Mm -hmm. I don't think I'm really dead. Yeah. Um, I don't know if we really saw anger or not, but then I remember seeing, okay, I might be dead. But, but before I couldn't turn my head, and now I can. Are you sure I'm not getting better? And then I know for sure we saw acceptance, and that was. That was interesting, but just to see that through his eyes, and then I think the real kicker of his story was the ending. Oh yeah, I do too, because that part confused me. Because, you know, it, it's one thing to show him, okay, this is kind of like an out-of-body experience, which, what was the real interesting part to you about his out-of-body experience? That Klinger could see him? Yeah. <laughs> so... But he had a high fever and wasn't right in his own mind. But it does make you wonder what other people see. Mm -hmm. You know, like what do the little kids see that we don't? And you know, what I. What do, you know. Yeah, I, I think it was a stroke of genius in this episode to have Klinger be able to see Weston. Because it was written in such a way that Klinger saw Weston, interacted with him, but then in the very next breath, Hey, Colonel, could you, could, you know, it's really hot in here. Can, right. can you get me off the beach? And so Klinger was still hallucinating. Right. So it's like, is Weston real or not? But then we see him in scenes without Klinger. Right. So. But no one else recognized him. Only Craig Klinger recognized mm -hmm. him. But then at the end, I think we're given the indication that no, this was real for and he, him. Yeah, and he went off into no one knows where it just bothered me that they walked off as if they were soldiers walking to another mission it just bothered me um because okay. that's not how i well, picture death i picture death going to a place that you finally understand why things happen the way they happen well and see to me i saw it as hopeful because he was with other people in the same situation and it wasn't just American Caucasian soldiers 
there were other UN soldiers, there were Chinese soldiers, there were North Korean soldiers, and to me it was all of them marching to the same afterlife. But to the unknown, like I feel yeah. like when oh, you no. die you should know. Like when you're born you know. Like when you're in the womb, okay. who could imagine life? Who could imagine yeah. walking, talking? You can't imagine that. Yeah. So I always think that when we pass, it's like being born mm -hmm. again, but to a new era that you finally go, oh, this is what I've been waiting for. Mm -hmm. Okay. You I know? And so I don't picture that you're going to be walking around where you die. Like, I oh, hope that if I die I, in Korea, I'm not stuck in Korea. Well, no, and I don't, personally, <laughs> I don't think that they were. I think that was more symbolic of the fact that they were passing from from where they died onto the next place. You know, hence the fog, hence yeah, but still things the seeming similar. And, and I also think that with Weston, they tried to hint at that, in my mind. They tried to hint at that because, like, with Weston, you know, in the swamp, toward the end of the episode, the doctors are all drinking, just mm -hmm. trying to get brain numb. Right, and they weren't numb enough because they could still feel things. So. Yeah, you know, Hawkeye clamps BJ with a with a vascular clamp. Nope, not I can still feel it. Not drunk enough. So then they're drinking, and it's to very macabre, morbid stuff. Right. To the plague. Rats, to the right. And then to they shrapnel. About how the rats, yeah. you know, in a war can be the worst th enemy because they bring their yeah. lice from mm -hmm. place to place. Oh, and then you after kill the people, but you don't kill the rats. Yeah, and then after that, to shrapnel, yeah. to the way it explodes in the body, to blood that drips into our boots, in our socks, and then Weston's in the background going, I, I can see you moving your mouths, but I, I can't, can't hear you, he's starting to lose the real world, and, and you, you look like you're, like you're made of dots, I don't, so... No, I, I get what you're saying about understanding the afterlife, but I think to him that was his little rebirth into it where he didn't understand mm -hmm. what it was going what was going on. But he was Sorry. Whoop, phone call. But he was passing <laughs> over into the next life. And to me that's what that was. But it, it And we'd be remiss not to mention Margaret. Because this whole thing happened oh, with Clinger. Oh, yeah. Poor Margaret's trying mm -hmm. to get her point across. But, you know, man, sorry, Chris, but no. that all these doctors are standing around saying, it's his kidney, it's this, it's that, it's that. And Margaret's mm -hmm. like, don't worry about what it is. Let's get his fever down. Let's yeah. get his fever. And she had said that from the beginning. Yeah. Let's get his fever down. But they're so concerned about, let's get the diagnosis that mm. they're not treating Let's the figure symptoms. out what's wrong. Can we figure out what's wrong? I think it's this. I think it's this. I no, think, no. I no, think we no, need to do no, more cultures. Yeah. No, no. And Margaret's just saying, let's just get the fever down. Yeah. He's you know, going to worry about what it is. Get the fever down. And she was mm -hmm. right. And they finally, I don't know if they listened to her, if she went back in after kicking the can and just did it herself. Yeah. But. Not sure. All I know is at the end, they're like, oh, thank you, Margaret. Or. No, this yeah. really worked, they said. Mm -hmm. Mar and Margaret's like, I know I've been saying it from the beginning. And they're like, well, why didn't you say it? Yeah. No, and um, unfortunately... So they didn't hear her. I, I say it this way. Unfortunately, I've taken um, classes in like leadership and communication in my schooling. And the thing is, if you have... Normally, if even these days, if you have a group 
of men and you put less women in the group than there are men. The men are going to speak over the women. The women tend to defer to the men. Really? Studies have shown this. The women will tend to defer to the men. Even if there is a group of six women and one man, the women tend to defer to the man. However, if it's a group of all women, it's more of a democratic thing where they share opinions and talk about things. And hmm. It's a very weird situation. But um, that's why whenever I'm trying to facilitate, like like in my game, in, in our gaming sessions, I always try to... Um, Even up the numbers? I, well, I try to, I try to actively pull forward the voice of uh, Laura or Nicole or any women that are in the group. I try to make sure that they're heard because I'm aware of that. But right. it, but it, it makes sense from a sociological standpoint in that regard that Margaret would, being talk, would be being talked over. However... Now, I know this is dumb. It just but, popped in my head. Oh, yeah? I was on two trials where I always somehow get picked to be mm-hmm. the person in a in a trial mm-hmm. um, on jury duty mm-hmm. every time and every time a man was picked to be the leader mm-hmm. even when there was more women my last one yeah. I was like I, I was trying to get this other one like nobody wants that job to be mm-hmm. the foreman <laughs> I don't want it mm-hmm. but so yeah. it just made it, I'm sorry that yeah. made me think of that like why did the why did the men get chosen for that and it's if I'm ever on one again it's not going to be a man okay. it's just weird it's what happens yeah, it's what happens more than more often than not um but yeah you know you, you, you see that and but you know the, the feminist side of me it's like th- that shouldn't be an issue anymore Ugh. Yeah, it, yeah. it shouldn't be this was in the 50s though <laughs> Yeah. And in the very next episode, in fact, Charles makes the comment, right? Yes. Um, Margaret, that sounds like... Women. Nurses work. Nurses? Even the women in the Winchester family do not do women's work. <laughs> so, it's a... You know, it, it's... It's a it out. a woman thing and a class thing. Yeah, but, <laughs> you know, it's like... Yeah... Margaret is being spoken over because she's just a nurse. She happens to be a major, but she's just a nurse, so who cares? But, yeah, it was really neat to see her just do it. Right. And I think... What she needed was just got done. Because it was for the betterment of the patient. Yeah, and and in my mind, that's not normally what happens at MASH. No? Margaret would not normally be talked over. However, I think the show was trying to make a point... In the early 80s. I mm-hmm. think that's what that was about. I, don't I think know. she would have been talked over, though. You think so? Mm-hmm, I do. In, okay, in, in I the I think 50s she would not have left. Or in MASH 477. No, no, in the 50s. Okay, yeah, no, and that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Is in MASH 477, I don't think she would have been talked over. In a MASH unit in the 50s, I think she would have been talked over. Mm-hmm. But I just see that different in Colonel Potter's MASH unit. That's all I'm getting at. Right. Okay. Yeah. So, any um, any other? No, just the ending, which was cool. What was that? Klinger will got hungry, mm. but his concern seemed to be more with Weston, and he kept trying to ask, "Whatever mm. happened to Weston?" And no one remembered who he was, first of all. Yeah. So they're all like, 
I don't know. You know, they just mm. thought he was out of his mind. So yeah. he never got an answer, but mm. he was very persistent. What happened to Weston? And he seemed to ask every person yeah. that nobody seemed to know. Which, so. yeah, went back to um, the follies of the living because, you know, what were the do- what were the captains and Margaret arguing about? Who's on duty roster? Yes, that's what they were. So they were. Who's? They were. They were the living. Mm-hmm. We need to deal with the living stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, guest stars recurring cast: We had Cario Salem as Private Jimmy Weston, Randall Patrick as Frank Hicks, Jeff Tyler as a soldier, Perrin Page as the driver who who brought in. I think it was Hicks and Weston. Written and directed by. Guesses? Oh, don't look. That's cheating. It is Alan Alda, which is so funny because Laura said, "What was that one written by Alan Alda?" It was. <laughs> yeah. Um, she's a big Futurama fan, and in Futurama, there's a joke about Mash where there, mm. there's a Alan Alda Hawkeye bot, and he goes from like he has a literal switch on his side that's like comic relief and maudlin, and <laughs> this just seemed like a very maudlin episode. Uh, production code was 1G07, written and directed by Alan Alda, original air date January 4th, 1982. That is so funny that she called it. Yeah, well, and what did you say about I it? I said I don't think it is an Alan Alda, because he wasn't a star enough in it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he usually puts himself at the forefront when he... Yeah, but no, it was, it was him. Okay, uh, season 10, episode 12, The Birthday Girls. Oh, now I understand. I'm like, there's only one. I don't one. understand because there's only one. No, there are two. The cow. <sighs> right? Oh, it I It just didn't. hit me. Yeah. <laughs> okay. okay, so the A plot is... It's, <laughs> oh, my gosh. Margaret's trying to get to Tokyo for uh, a big weekend with the general, and um, Klinger is kind of getting in the way of her plans. The B plot is that a farmer comes into the 4-double-seventh with his cow, the only cow to survive a shelling... It's pregnant, and it's going to be giving birth soon. And was wounded. And it, Yeah, and it was wounded by the shrapnel from the shelling. So, on one hand, it's Margaret's birthday. On the other hand, the cow is going to give birth, hence birthday girls. Ugh. Okay, I didn't catch Multiple. that. I'm Neither like, did I, I until just now. why in the world it says girls. Yeah, literally until oh. just now. Okay. I never caught that before. Um, but essentially what ends up happening with Margaret... Ryan's awake. Uh, essentially what ends up happening with Margaret is uh, she needs to go. You know, we need to get to Kempo. We need to get to Kempo. Let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. And to the point where she orders Klinger to take this shortcut which he knows is a very rough road and treacherous. Well, they take it anyway and it ends up puncturing the fuel tank of the Jeep and so the Jeep stalls out. So they're stuck. So Margaret gets to spend her birthday instead of in Tokyo with a general in some back road section of Korea sharing a brand muffin and hooch with Klinger. Not not her ideal situation. On the flip side, back at MASH, uh, uh, Margaret had arranged for Charles to take over a briefing on a new drug Levafed bicartrate. I'm going to look that up as I continue to talk. Levafed bi- bitartrate. 
Overfed by tartrate. What is this? It was something that was told they can't use, and now they can. Neoepinephrine by tartrate is a vasoconstrictor similar to adrenaline used to treat life-threatening low blood pressure hypotension that can occur with certain medical conditions. That's and what it was. The cow had low blood pressure, so she could deliver her calf. Yeah, because of a combination of external wounds and ex internal bleeding. Um, so yeah, it was going into labor, but they couldn't. Um, she couldn't deliver the calf. Because her blood pressure was too low and the, she couldn't get the energy. And yeah, the, the veterinarian at i said the best option for you is to dismember the calf so that the cow might live. Might live. But they needed them both. This yeah. was their substance. The, yeah. Every All the other animals have had died from the shelling. This they was, needed this. They, the farmer needed this cow. Okay. And the calf. And they just happen to have Levofed on hand that raises blood pressure. And the doctor said if only her blood pressure was higher, um, then we would be, we could do a cesarean. And Potter said if her blood pressure was higher, then she could deliver the calf on her own. So, so they, let's try it. And it, almost immediately, once uh, enough time had passed with the Levofed in the cow's system... She went into labor, and there's Bossy. Yep, girl's birthday. Yeah, oh it, it was gosh. a it was a, a female calf, and yeah. Um, Klinger, kind of as a minor C plot. He tried to make Margaret's birthday nice, you know. Klinger well, I was really gonna talk about the lottery. Oh, okay, yeah, that was, that, <laughs> that, have, that has to happen first. You know. <laughs> He, he got it in his mind, if I sell a hundred times, a hundred squares on a grid for when the cow is going to be born and give for a buck a piece and give the winner 50 bucks, I come out with 50 bucks and everybody's happy. Well, he only sold 10 times, 10 squares, before Margaret called him off to go. And it ended up that Margaret picked the winning square, so... And he picked it for her, so he, yeah. in essence, won. Yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, you know, when they were stuck on the road, he was doing his best, like you were saying. See, he got her a muffin, stuck a match in it, with, you know, that was lit. And, mm -hmm. um, at first she was angry, but then she talked about how this birthday she was going to make special because she was a military brat, so she never had friends to have a birthday party with. Mm -hmm. She never had, like... A best friend, or a, and you know how important a best friend yeah. is. I do too. Yeah, I do. Um, hi, Terry. Mm. <laughs> and you know, if you've never had that in your life, yeah. you long for it. You need that. So she keeps yeah. thinking every birthday or every milestone, she just sees the things she doesn't have instead of the things she does. Yeah. And it, yeah, it's I, hard. Yeah. No, I, I get where she was coming from. Um, you know, she said, I wanted this year to be different. I wanted to do things that I wanted to do. Be with the people I wanted to be with. Mm-hmm. It didn't turn out that way, but Klinger ended up raising her spirits, and they had a very, very nice um, character-building moment between yeah. those two. And that's 
something I really love about these last few seasons is you get those moments between the characters, and especially here, where um, you, you get some of Klinger's background in this, and you get some of Margaret's background in this, but then you also see them grow closer together. And you see Klinger's compassion. Like, he mm -hmm. started to tell the story about himself because we all want to talk about yeah. ourselves oh. but then he looked at margaret and was like no this is about you mm -hmm. and he stopped his story yeah and you know I'm, that's <laughs> hard to do yeah and I, i've struggled with that too in, in my adult life where it's like i for me it's not that i want to talk about myself i'm trying to connect you know i want you to i want to let you know that okay i get where you're coming from but then like he said this oh, is about you well and okay, I don't know what it's like. Right. You know, and yeah, it's just such, such a, a, a self-actualizing moment in yeah. my mind. I think to, so too. To be able to step back and go, nope, I, I don't know what it's like. And like you said, it's about you. Okay. I need to be here for you and to help you through this not by relating but by just listening by just listening sometimes mm -hmm. that's just so important yeah yeah but it, it wasn't specifically that um comedic second episode of a pair that we're used to you know we're used to the heavy one up front and then the like comedic it. one after and we kind of had a really heavy one and then a little bit of a lighter one but they were still pretty dense and and kind of bringing us down a little bit other than with the cow the cow was <laughs> nice but you know it's like eh, uh, i don't and even the cow almost died yeah i'm sorry i don't understand how that's a lighter one but yeah no but that's all i'm saying is like we didn't have a ghost talking about how woe is me that i'm dead everybody but, survived this one and we had the farmer who was eating chow at the um, oh, God. place, and he's like, do you get seconds here? And Father and okay. Father's like, I don't know. No one's ever asked for seconds. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. what's good for one is not always good for the other. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, what, what's the other... See, I would probably love the food. As long as you put ketchup on it, who cares? Oh, that's... <laughs> that's just wrong on so many levels. But, um... Another interesting part I thought from this episode is when BJ's on the line with the vet at i they don't have, like, you know, walkie-talkies or cell phones he in the camp. He just does it right on the... He gets on the PA, and so he's explaining, Okay, Hawk, uh, what you're going to want to do is, is put your hand inside the cow all the way up to the shoulder if necessary. And there are people in the mess tent who are hearing this. <laughs> And and you just they all push their trays away. It's like nope, mm. done. I'm done. No more. It's just that's kind of funny. Um, and we I'm, talked about how Margaret won the bet, and he and Klinger oh, only yeah. had ten dollars. Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. at first she's like, oh Klinger, just keep it, whatever. And then she said, you know what? No, give me the ten dollars. I know someone that I want to buy a birthday gift for. Yeah. So and you knew it was yeah. herself. So yeah. I thought, how cute. Yeah. You know, like And very thoughtful of Klinger where he just smiled and, and he's gave like, it okay. To her. Um the other thing I'll point out about this episode, because in my mind it's worth pointing out. 
What does Margaret promise Charles as he agrees to take over her lecture? I also buy the album. What album? Um, 1932. Schnabel. Schnabel. Performance. Yep, Schnabel. 1932 Schnabel performance. Not by a certain artist. He wanted the performance one. Of who? Beethoven. 1932 Schnabel performance of Beethoven. That's what Charles wanted in exchange for taking Margaret's... Um, well, he didn't get it. He didn't get it, of course, because <laughs> Margaret never made it. But the thing I love about that is in Goodbye, Farewell, and Amen, in like the first half of that episode, they argue about that. You know, she's like, I was going to get you that Schnabel guy. You still owe me that <laughs> record. And it just... You know, it, it's something that carries through, and that's one thing I love uh, when they do in any series, especially MASH, where they actually do a callback to an earlier episode. I just love that. I'll have to watch for that, because yeah. now I know the reference. Yeah, yep. Okay. Anything else? Yeah. Okay. Um, there aren't a lot of notes for this episode online. Uh, guest stars recurring cast, we have Jerry Fujikawa as Lee Sung Chu, the farmer. And Kelly Nakahara reprising her uh, role as Lieutenant Nakahara or Lieutenant Kelly Yamato, depending on where in the series you're yeah, trying yeah. to look up her character. Because <laughs> Winchester very clearly says Lieutenant Nakahara in this one, not Lieutenant Yamato. Production code was G, uh, pardon me, J1G08. I have no idea. J1G08. Writer was Lee H. Grant. Director Charles S. Dubin. Original air date January 18, We're getting closer to when I was born. <laughs> I know. Up. Shut up. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> Alright. Um, but speaking of things that are completely unrelated mm -hmm. to that comment, uh, if you are a long-time listener or a first-time listener, thank you for tuning in. We appreciate each and every one of you, especially you, and you over there. You're our favorites. <laughs> you. Yeah. yeah. No, yes, you. We're yeah. talking about you. Yeah, you're our favorite. Thank you so much. Um, if you want to catch up, yeah, you. Yep, same. <laughs> yep. No, you. No, not you. Stop guessing. You. 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 Yes, you. Um, if you want to catch up on any back episodes, you can do that by going to iTunes or your favorite podcast application or Stitcher Radio and search for Whiskey and Mash. You can catch all of our back episodes out there or head over to our website, narclaninc.com slash whiskey and mash. That'll take you to our main podcast page. We have all of the back episodes there online available for download or streaming off of the website. They're MP3 files, so... They can go on your favorite MP3 device, like a smartphone or a Zune, if you have one of those. I don't know why you would. But you can put them on there, because it's an MP3 device. And listen to us, such as on your car ride to work, or during work, or, you know, uh, at the gym, that sort of thing. But uh, if you find some value in this podcast from us and you would like to help support the show, there are a few ways you can do that. You can leave a review over at iTunes. That would help us. That would help other people find us. You can head over to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash whiskeyandmash. Like our page. Share the latest episode, because I always post the synopsis. 
uh, of the episode over there. Share it so that other people can find it. And specifically, share this episode with a friend, a family member, a co-worker. Someone you think would enjoy listening to us, especially on a two-drink day. Because <laughs> um, I think I'm slurring a little bit, and I apologize. I'm trying to enunciate. Um, you know, anybody who would like to listen to us talk about this and try and bring up some of the, the social messages that are inherent in some of these episodes, which is kind of, in my mind, where I set out with this show. I don't know about you. Um, it I'm may have bored. just yeah, okay. You're on board. <laughs> that works for me. Um, but, you know, really, just keep tuning in. We appreciate it. Let us know that you're out there over on the Facebook page. Uh, email us. Whiskeyandmash, all in word, at narclaninc.com. Let us know that you're out there. Leave us any comments or questions that you may have. Um, and in case, by the time I post this, I haven't responded... Um, I just wanted to put out there to, um, oh goodness, I don't even remember the name and I feel really embarrassed about that. Uh, the, the maker of Mashed, the RPG game that we played. Oh uh, yeah, that was we, cool. We, we haven't replied yet and I apologize for that because I meant to. Um, my goodness, thank you so much for doing such a great job with that. Um, I've referenced some of the historical, uh, uh, historical references that you've put in there yeah you did such a great job i really encourage anyone who is listening to this and in the rpg hobby check out mashed it's over on drivethroughrpg.com you can get it as a pdf a print book or both uh, it's based on the powered by the apocalypse system all you need is 2d6 in order to run it really good really good um system in my opinion did the the creator did a really good job with this and and thank you for tuning in and being one of our listeners um i think that's it except for how do they get a hold of us i thought i said that did you go <laughs> to facebook or okay. email us okay all right <laughs> you were doodling i was doodling on your sesame street folder Happy <laughs> to drink uh, Woo! <laughs> Thank you for tuning in. I'm Chris. I'm Gloria. We'll see you next week. Ciao. <laughs> oh, two good drinks. Yeah. Oh, I'm glad to hear it. I think I'm getting better. With experience, with practice. That's true. I just need to save this down after I stop it because it's still going. Hi! Bye! Everyone. Bye. Bye.